loved my cats growing up, but ugh, the litter box, everything from cleaning it out to covering up the smell, it's just a constant battle. But now there's Pretty Litter, Kitty Litter Reinvented. Unlike traditional litter, Pretty Litter's super light crystals trap odor and release moisture, resulting in dry, low-maintenance litter that has less dust and doesn't smell. Sounds like kitty owner bliss to me. Pretty Litter ships free and arrives at your door in a lightweight bag that lasts up to a month, and with auto ship, you'll never deal with last-minute trips to the store. But above all, here's why Pretty Litter is a pet parent's hero. It monitors your cat's health by changing color when it detects potential underlying issues. You won't find that kind of innovation in your conventional litter. Pretty Litter helps keep your cat healthy and keeps odors down too. Go to prettylitter.com and use the code in my heart for 20% off your first order. That's prettylitter.com code in my heart for 20% off. Use in my heart at prettylitter.com. In My Heart, a podcast truly about all the things in my heart and finding our freedoms. I'm your host, Heather Thompson. I am eager to introduce my next guest, Andrea Brand. Andrea's work as a life coach focuses on supporting folks interested in trading in feelings of overwhelming challenge and chaos for confidence and contentment. After working for decades in public health and exploring her own inner conflict that resulted from the competing demands of a fast-paced corporate culture and life outside of the office, Andrea stepped away from her career to evaluate her priorities and focus on what matters most, family, interpersonal connections, and living authentically which led to her fulfilling work as a coach, connecting her to her desire to help others live more purposely while blasting open her curiosities about the obvious struggle with sex education for our children. So if you haven't gotten around to it or you're planning to leave sex education to your child's school, listen in. You're not alone. Many parents and caregivers find the sex talk overwhelming and embarrassing. And for many, there's just never seems like a good time to squeeze it in. Well, today we're going to stop sweating and start talking because Andrea wrote the book on how to make sex chats with your kids easier than you think. Welcome, Andrea. I'm so psyched to have you. Thank you, Heather. I'm so happy to be here. This is so much fun. Oh my God. Well, okay. So let's dig right in. So Let's talk about your story in the corporate world and running consistently. I mean, I know that many women, you know, caught are caught feeling kind of like they're not doing the two jobs well or missing out on moments with their kids. So tell me how that related to you and how you felt you could help others that were feeling that way, too. It really, it surprised me, to be honest with you. I got knocked off my feet when it happened. I had been in my career before I had kids, a public health research consultant, and loved what I did. It was very intellectually challenging. I got to work with some really amazingly brilliant people, super fast-paced, in areas, project areas that I really love women's health, reproductive health, children's mental health. Those were really the main areas that I loved. And I had kids and I was trying to do it all, thought I was doing it all, looked like I was doing it all. Let's be real. Like I had it all on the outside. It looked like it was all happening just smoothly. And yet inside I was just miserable. I was 
it just felt like I was burning the midnight oil. And I know this is not a unique story. I think this is a very common thing for working parents, particularly working moms. Mm -hmm. And so I made the hardest choice of my life, which was to step aside from this career that I had really worked hard in, really grown in. And I really, it was my identity, honestly. That was my identity more than than mom or wife or friend or daughter or anything. It really was. So I thought. And so I, I decided I need to change things up. I took a step out and it never looked back. It was really hard at first because I found myself wondering, who am I now? What am I? Who am I? And doing a lot of inner work. Yeah, One thing led to another though and got got me to where I am. So I really feel like everything happens um, and builds on itself. Listen, right? our struggles are, you know, a proof that the sun shines, you know, even when it doesn't look like it's out there, cloudy days, it's still up there somewhere. So with that change, you also were able to leaning into people feeling like you felt and saying like, you know, hey, listen, we can, we all feel this way and we can in fact change it. We have the power like within ourselves to change it. And I think as women oftentimes, and and also people who are in specific careers, they get stuck into these kind of bumpers that they feel like they can't get out of. And that's their path. And that's the road they have to take. And boy, that's the way it goes. And I think that leads us very easily to moving into your kind of sex therapy and how it blew open, how you looked at sex, because very much like society puts bumpers on, like you have one job and you do it really well and you for the rest of your life versus this is a woman and this is your place and this is as far as you can go. It's also the bumpers about what's appropriate to talk about sex. It works in the same capacity of self-help, self-realization, self-protection, right? Self-awareness. What was it that turned you from, you know, obviously finding your truth, feeding your heart, and then turning into helping others into getting into sex education, talking with children and young folks about it and your peers? Tell us how that happened. Yeah, there was a few contributing factors, actually. They all happened, I don't know how to say it, like um, in a just a lovely way how it all came together, and I, which I didn't realize until moments afterwards. So for example, my kids went through the public school system where we are outside of Boston and the sex ed there was mediocre as an exaggeration. It was not great. So I helped work on getting that to be more comprehensive. And that was, that was great. Out the gate. Like you're, you're like now involved in the school program. Like you're not teaching my kids. Right. So like, you're probably not teaching anybody. Right. And you got involved. So like immediately it was like for you. Yeah, it was like a policy level thing. I just started working with the administrators about, we got to change this. What are we going to do? And so they were on board, actually. I was concerned I would be met with resistance, but I wasn't. And so it took a while, but they onboarded a, a heartier sex ed curriculum, I should say. So that was one thing. We can park that. Another thing that was happening simultaneously was that at the time I had a 12-year-old and just one evening talking with a bunch of our friends, we were having a dinner party and we were chit-chatting and I said, hey, how are you guys doing talking with your kids about sex? And all these parents who are educated, open-minded, presumably comfortable in this area. So I thought, right. Your peers, they're, 
exactly hang out with <laughs> barely look me in the eye we're like oh that i forgot about that oh no what are we going to do and everybody was just really mumbling and uncomfortable to which i said oh i'll do it maybe i had a two couple of glasses of too many in my system <laughs> but i said i'll do so it much good in wine <laughs> exactly right but the story goes that they said would you really and i said sure no. And thus became the beginning of what I call girls group, which started as a sex education group for this cohort of girls, which were all the daughters of my friends. And we thought we'd meet a few weeks just to talk about sort of core sex ed topics. It went so well. They loved it. I loved it. It was very rewarding for me. We kept it going until they graduated high school. So you imagine- took your policy background and took, turned it into Planned Parenthood privately, like at home. So how old, that's incredible. How old were the girls? Like they vary in ages. Like, did you have dudes? Like, what was it? No. So it was a group of, it started as a group of girls, 12 years old, and we maintained it as a closed group. If you think about closed therapy session, right? So no one knew could come in just because of the dynamics. These young girls were already friends with each other, which I really think it also helped, you know, the success of the group and the group evolved as they aged, it was beautiful. So what started out as, you know, some topics you might expect as nuts and bolts of puberty and body changing and reproduction and sort of the dry stuff evolved as they grew too into a lot more things that were at their level in real time as things were coming up. So it was such a wonderful success. And people in the community got wind of it and they're like, oh, can can you start another group? Can my kid join? Or what about boys? Would you do a group for boys? And all of those are like, yes, I wish, I want, we need it, but I don't have the bandwidth. And so then I thought, well, I'm gonna write a book to help parents replicate this model that I created, which was my original thinking around a book. And then I did start an outline. I started to write and then I parked that because I really found that I was being called to do life coaching. And so I did my certification in life coaching while all this is going on. And that's when I realized that this is really where everything is now. Now all of it came together because I really want to coach parents who are like those group of friends who have these barriers, which are totally natural. You know, we put up our own walls. We we are our own enemies about uh, fear getting in the way, us losing our ability to, you know, move forward on something that we know we want to do. And so that's now what the book is about. So I I really want to help parents like my friends, like, like a lot of people I know, get through whatever it is that's holding them back so that they can have easy, comfortable conversations about sex. That's no right. And stop sweating and start talking, which is the title of the book. So I love, I love this so much. So let's get back to the core of how this began in this focus group with these girls. Let's get into the nitty gritty of it. Like, you know, at 12, what were the things that you went through with them versus at 17? I mean, you stayed with this group. I mean, I, I remember there's a there's a, a time where you talked about they didn't know what an erection was, but they knew what a hard-on was or something like that. And, you know, when do you get into the discussions of what you do with that? And, you know, give us a little insight or some tips about like, about, like it, what you learned and what you knew to be a truth that we had to attack. Yeah, that's an excellent question. So one thing is that there is such variability around the table. So so imagine literally imagine a group of girls sitting around my dining room table. That's what that's how we would meet. And 
I would have prepared an agenda. So we would have a topic of the day and I would usually make it really fun. There might be an exercise. We have very interactive. We make games of it. And you could have something. This what I learned was that I can assume they know they don't know anything, which was I learned that from the beginning when I was saying things about, you know, some maybe some of the exchanges that are going on emotionally as well as physically in puberty. And some of them looked at me blankly and I realized, OK, so so this is new. I, I'm getting so I but in, instead of me then assuming they don't know, just being out and open and saying, so let's be real here. Who who here is like wondering what the hell is she talking about right now? And, you know, there'd be some nods. I'm like, okay, I got you. So let's let's back up a little bit and let's talk about this. So we would start then at the lowest common denominator. So like where babies came from versus how a baby's made, right? Because where a baby comes from and how it's made are two separate questions I've seen parents avoid, by the way. <laughs> totally parents avoid. And what I love about that example is there's so many ways that babies are made now than when right. I went start right. Right? Like when I was going through uh, sex ed, which was, you know, not very rigorous, it was sperm meets egg through intercourse. And I don't With believe the there was ever any mention of any other ways that you know, people grow their families, for example. Well, right? so now you're talking fluidity, which is what you talk, which is this whole new era of parents that we need to address, that they have to be comfortable with same sex, bise bisexual, all of these, you know, situations that, yes, we didn't have growing up in the 70s. We're about the same age, I know, you know, or, or those before us in the 60s and 50s, by gosh. So, yeah, so there's a whole new uh, level of understanding that needs to be reckoned with, right? So... So go back to the focus group just a little bit. And I, I just want to peel away some of the things in a modern world. So some basics, right? You know, we got to get through the basics, but then adjustments in the modern world that you had to pivot and make without even understanding of it from your own childhood or teaching or experience, maybe necessarily. Spot on. You are so spot on, right? Because I was operating from the, my own template when I was growing up right? That's where we all are. We all only have whatever was modeled for us when we grew up. And then we choose either, either intentionally or by accident, whether, you know, if we're going to replicate it or go in a different direction Figure something else out. Yeah, exactly. Right. So of course I went into another direction because I, I want to be out there. I want to be open. I want to be comprehensive. So right. Yes. Yeah, so some of those topics, for example, consent is one like that is a topic that is huge and everywhere now as it should be. And it's been getting more and more attention. The Me Too movement really brought it up. Well, to... yeah, right. Consent and boundaries. Right. When you bring that up. I mean, when we were growing up, not, you know, such respect for the movement, such respect for everything that we've done. But when we were growing up, it was called grabby. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, like I had Uncle Peel, the old man in the bar who watched my dad play guitar and stuck his hands up my shirt and felt my little boobies when I was, you know, 11. Right. Like How Uncle Peel, you know, I know. So, and we might laugh at that now, but Trump, but truthfully, that's awful and traumatic and could, terrible. you know, let's be real but about that. Yeah. So brushed off and not recognizing. Oh, and calling him Uncle Peel. Like, I didn't even know this dude. He was like the whole town called him that or something like 
you know, and my dad's up on the stage. He has no idea what's going on. And I'm like, this feels weird. And, you know, like, so like, I mean, honestly, growing up in the seventies as a female versus what my daughter would never tolerate in a million years, God bless her. So now you're talking like fluidity, you're talking, you know, bicep, you know, all these different sexes and, and, and uh, values and how people want to be perceived or how they perceive themselves that might not look the same on the outside as it is on the inside versus, so take it away, sister. God bless you. Well, you're right. And what, what also, why this is so important for us as parents to be doing it, why it is, is because if you were to look at a cross section of the United States and what happens in the classroom, you know, we're on the East Coast and we're in Massachusetts and Massachusetts is much more of a liberal bubble than a, than most of the country, if not right, all of the, the South and stuff like that. Right. right? So if, if you were to look at what's being taught in different schools in different states, it would just turn your stomach. Or I should just say, it totally turns my stomach because... Is the sperm still swimming upstream and it's if like you're lucky, back in 1950? You're in the 50s because it, it, it is maybe only teaching the mechanics of reproduction. Right, the other right. thing is that it's, it's 100% heteronormative. So it's not recognizing anyone who's not male heterosexual or female heterosexual. So it leaves out a giant swath of... Yeah. Of people. Of humanity. Exactly. <laughs> and and there's a huge focus on abstinence only, which is, you know, risk averse. And so it's not to say that I want to promote sex ed and no abstinence. It's abstinence is one piece of a giant sex education. So of yeah, course yeah. you mention it in comprehensive sex ed. Sure. And you mention and if one is sexually active. This is what it means. These are things to keep yourself safe. These yeah. are, you know, so you inform, you give people the tools so they can be empowered to make good decisions for themselves to make, to be healthy, to be thriving in life, right? So it's all interconnected. It, it's, we, yeah. what do you want for your kids? I mean, this is what I say to parents. Really, what is it you want for your kids? And people generally say they want their kids to be healthy. They want them to be contributing somehow in the world. They want them to be meeting their potential. Have and all of that is had it, all these things, right? Right. And so, and how do we do that? And to me, this is just one little drop in the bucket of what we can do for our kids to, to help in that regard. I was thinking about our podcast because like everybody in the world, I watched Yellowstone and I thought it was the best thing in the world and I was addicted to it. And then I watched the whole darn thing and now I'm left empty and I'm watching the 1882 or whatever the one was like. So just so if anyone's not listening, so Kevin Costner plays this dude on Yellowstone and there's this new series that is now like his great grandfather they're covering. So like pre, you know, like the frontier, like, you know, is happening. And there's this scene that I watched yesterday and the young woman, the daughter of these two pioneers, whatever, she falls in love. She has chemistry. She's feeling she's probably about 17 or 18. And her mother tells her what she feels in her heart. And, and you know, I'm looking at this show and I'm like, I'm, I'm just thinking about having you on the podcast the next day. And the, she says, all right, mama, so we're going to have the sex talk. And so they go into a river to bathe and they talk. And she basically doesn't tell her anything about sex. She tells her what to feel in her heart. And then the girl goes and she has sex, right? So the mother sees it happen at night. And then she goes to the girl the next morning and she said, you think this man is like ready to raise a baby? Cause now you can, you're going to make a baby. And it hit me at that moment. It reminded me just as 
because I don't remember history like this. I certainly didn't live there. Sex was about survival back then. It was about creating a unit and a family, and it was about survival and procreation was for a reason that doesn't exist today. And we give people these boundaries and these bumpers that we started this discussion on that they have to have children, that they need to get married, that they have to, we don't need to have a family to survive. We want to have one because they're fulfilling and they're lovely and they're wonderful, but it's not for everybody. And sometimes they're not so wonderful. You know what I mean? So like, (laughs) you know, so your job, like what you took on through your heart and passion is so important. And it's, it may be obvious to someone like me, but it's not so obvious to others why parents need to be the source of this information for their children. And yes, they, sh- they can base it on their own values. They have to, right? That's the house they're raising their children in, but be aware of other options. How do you talk to a child that you really have no idea because you never even question how they may see themselves or feel in the mirror? I mean... It's, cr- it's crazily dynamic. Yeah. Well, we don't talk to them any differently. We, again, we just make no assumptions. Really, that's the one thing that I want to emphasize. I, I feel that what we need to do as parents is create a comfortable environment so that, and how do we do that? By modeling being proactive, by modeling having conversations with our kids. Remember, it's not a big talk. It's a series of, it's a gazillion little talks wherever you can have opportunities. And by doing this, just like with other things that come up in parenting, you're building a relationship with your child and they see that you are accessible and a go-to person for anything that comes up in their lives. First impressions are everything. So if you're looking to make an impact and want your business to stand out, start with Issue. Issue is an all-in-one platform you can use to create and distribute beautiful digital content from marketing materials to magazines to flipbooks, brochures, and more. Issue features your creative in an easy-to-view way for every device. Make it once and distribute it everywhere without reformatting. With Issue, your content is already optimized for engagement and ready to share. Issue helps creators, marketers, designers, really anyone who wants to make content that stands out. You can start using Issue for free, and they also offer premium features for a more customized experience. Get started with Issue today for free, or if you sign up for a premium account, get 50% off when you go to issue.com slash podcast and use the promo code in my heart. That's I-S-S-U-U dot com slash podcast and use the promo code in my heart at checkout for your free account or for 50% off your premium account. That's issue.com slash podcast with the promo code in my heart. Now back to my show. Our children, I feel like, are lucky that we, they have an open dialogue or we even force an open dialogue, which I force an open dialogue. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, it's just because I ask questions like, Mom, you know, and I ask the question, I'm like, you don't have to answer it now, but, well, you know, I want you to think about it. We'll talk about it. She's like, okay. You know, I just keep it just open and light and real. But not everybody has that. They just don't. They don't even have that skill set at a dinner table sometimes with a group yeah. of friends. Yeah. How, how do we help people who are just like nail biting? Like, forget about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, for me, one of the main things is to point out what do you have to gain 
by having these conversations and setting up your your environment to be open and comfortable and what do you have to lose if you don't mm-hmm. and it's you know it takes someone to be self-aware to think about it which i like to give people the benefit of the doubt and think oh yeah if you just give it some thought you you can tap into that and we can work on that yeah it, i think for me the biggest challenge is the person who doesn't want you know is just not introspective about it at all and just says you know what, my kid is just going to figure it out on their own. And to me, that's that's where I get, I worry. I feel sad for the kid. So you because want to tell they, that parent who's not, who has to get, stop sweating, writing this stuff and start talking about it. Get your, get, stop sweating and start talking, get your book. What 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 is the tip that you can say to the parent, the one that's coming through for me, that really is just afraid or doesn't know how to approach it is there's just no wrong way. Just do it. Just go for it. Like dive in, like ask the question, talk about it. Or do you think there's a kind of like ABC, you know, one, two, three tip thing that you could throw out there right now? Tell no, me. I, I mean, it's a, it's a combo of both. I have a bunch of ideas that I love to suggest to people to make things easier, but it's certainly not sequential. What I love about this is that, you can almost do no wrong. And I have this, the caveat to that is, you know, if you give your kid a lot of misinformation and they don't know better, that, that could be a little harmful or a lot harmful, depending on what that is. But like you said, if you can just jump into it. And one of the tips around that is, is this related to that if you can admit when you don't know something so you're having a conversation with your child hopefully it happened organically you're watching a movie together something happens what a great opportunity to see a couple getting sexually involved and there was no discussion maybe of consent or so you know so you can bring that up after the movie you don't necessarily have to pause but yeah after the movie you can say hey did you notice they didn't yeah, i am seeing nice plays like in this movie i just saw like they checked in they asked it really showed the way it's supposed yeah, to happen i love, I love totally that. yeah so i know i'm noticing it when it happens a lot which is Me great too. and it's it's happening more and more now which is fantastic yeah so but the, as i'm saying though there might be things though that come up in a in a conversation where you actually aren't sure if you have the answer or you know you don't. And so that's okay. And I think there is nothing better than being able to say to your kid, hey, that is an amazing question, but you know what? I'm not exactly positive. So why don't we go look this up together or let's figure, let's go discover this together. Or B, the other option is let me get back to you on that because I want to figure this out too. And I will circle back to you with that tonight or tomorrow. And if I don't come to you, call your best friend, neighbor, Andrea, who can talk to your kids about it. If you can't (laughs) like, really, I mean, and, but I love it. it, Right. Own, own it. And know that it has to be, it has to happen and it needs, it's important. And I love being able to say, I don't know to my child, right? Like you're humanizing being vulnerable. You're humanizing that you don't have all the answers and that's okay. That doesn't make you less than. What an opportunity to learn and discover something together. Yeah. So that's one is, you know, I love being able to jump in without feeling like you have to know everything about any aspect that could come up. Well, what do you think with computer safety and, you know, internet safety and open discussions about pornography and the internet and the black web? And I mean, that had to probably come into play. Well, I know because I read your book, but you know what I mean? Like, let's talk about it for the listeners. 
Yeah, it's, I mean, that's the reality of where we are today. You know, it, when we were growing up, it was, there were the VHS tapes, you're right, but there were also magazines that you would get a hold of or that your, you know, people you know, they had their secret stash. Oh, yeah, my dad had his Playboy right? stash. Well, that's right. the thing. Yeah. Everyone had their, right. So now it's literally at your fingertips on the computer, smartphone, or whatever. So, right. again, this also must align with everyone's own value system. So I don't like to say this is the way to do it. But what I would offer is when kids are young and you, you know, you absolutely have controls that you can put on if you yes. want to prevent them from getting places that are going to freak them out. They don't know what's going on. It's scary, right. you know, absent of knowing what's happening. It's, it's a lot to take on and it can be really frightening to a kid if they land on a porn site. As they get older, you know, you have some options. One of mine is to just always be talking with your kids about porn and what it is and what it isn't and what's right. real about it and what's fake about it and right. really just put it out there because otherwise that that might be their reality and they need yeah, to it's understand. It's part of life, it, it's, you know. It's sensationalized. They're watching a high-speed chase on a movie that's well, been yeah, like about the great actors offense. and the angles. But do kids have that like media literacy to know what's going on? And that's one of the things that I want to talk about or raise parents awareness is media literacy when it comes right. to porn and so forth. So and also so also parental controls will only go so far when you have a determined horny interested team yeah so say what media liter literacy is yeah just give the listeners like what does that mean to someone listening yeah so media literacy basically is the ability to understand what you're watching and how much based in reality is it and what has been done to it so that it, you can understand is it is it actually enhanced or fake. And it doesn't only have to be related to porn. I mean, you can open up an advertisement in a magazine and see that there might be, you know, sexual innuendos going on to sell a hamburger. I mean, really. Right. And, and there can and, be propaganda just in the marketing words to sell a diet. Like it's it, everywhere. Exactly. So it's really just having this ability to critique and understand what you're seeing with an eye for not just taking it at face value. I mean, that's right. the simplified description. You know, I mean, maybe we got away with sweeping it under the carpet when there was like three channels on television and, you know, people were passing <laughs> around an old Playboy and maybe finding like some homegrown reefer to smoke. I mean, things have changed by leaps and bounds and we have to, as parents, catch up with the time. New from Wondery, Twin Flames is a podcast about what happens when the quest for love turns into a dangerous obsession. Jeff and Shaylea, a young couple famous on YouTube, teach about Twin Flames, which means a deep romantic connection with your perfect ultimate partner in their videos. Twin Flames mean divine love that you're designed for no one else and they're designed for no one else. But the path to finding your Twin Flame isn't so simple. Some followers allege they were encouraged to cut ties with friends and family said to be holding them back. Some were pushed to claim their twin flame through any means necessary, even stalking. By the time some members were able to leave the group, they didn't even recognize themselves and they claim that the harassment to rejoin makes them fear for their safety. The idea of a twin flame has been extremely popular on social media, giving people the hope that they'll find their soulmate through the movement. But finding your perfect match isn't so easy. 
Listen to Twin Flames on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, or you can listen ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. Now back to my show. Even as a mom, right, where your son's like, okay, mom, are we writing a book about sex? Like, how did they take it, right? Because everything is so, their friends know, you know, I post something on social media and they're like, their friends will immediately see it or something and and rib them if they're in it. Yeah, totally. Well, you know, now they're old enough that they're actually are excited and proud of this. But trust me, it wasn't always like this. I would say, <laughs> you know, early teens, mid teens, we would have these conversations. This is dinnertime conversation for us. Like I just, it's so normal in our house. I would talk about anything. Dinner around baby. the brand house. Yeah, exactly. So they, sex, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and I think they just got so used to it. But it, there was a time where they would be like, oh, no, not again. And the eye rolls and so forth. And I just feel like, you know, you just have to plow through that because now I see where they are. They've come on the other side of it. And I see them as much more open, much more comfortable. And I feel like, okay, this was goal achieved. We got there. Yes, because even though you had a girl group as your focus group that gave you the insight and all this great inspiration to start this, it's not just about girls. And Me Too is is just as much about men as it is about women. And this whole understanding and realization of what's acceptable and what is old school and what you can't do anymore. I mean, we're learning and we're failing and we're learning again, all these politically, you know, correctnesses that aren't, you know, listen, the ones that are so far left, like you can't do anything. Like I get it. That's the pendulum swinging, but there's, there's real learning to be done out there that things are not acceptable anymore and times have changed and, you know, and, and talking about sex with your kids, it's changed. And so if you're struggling, my friend Andrea has the way to help with her book. I'm so excited um, about it and to share it with you and her. Stop sweating and start talking how to make sex chats with your kids easier than you think by Andrea Brand. And I just want to ask you, like, in all of this, you know, and we got just so everybody knows full disclosure, which is amazing. Andrea is my neighbor up here in the Berkshires where, where I'm filming from the Berkshires. She's in Boston. We started it at the top, but we really got to know each other as new neighbors through COVID. We were on the lake together and swimming together and kayaking together and canoeing together at a safe distance and enjoying the outside. Like, and we just really got to know each other, but this was a whole piece of her that I didn't even know. So I have to ask you when you're not canoeing with me and parenting those two beautiful boys of yours and attending to your great husband, how are you finding your freedoms? What's making you tick right now? And just give us some insight on you because I think you're pretty fabulous. Oh, thank you. That's so nice. Well, I, I dream about traveling again, (laughs) which hopefully will happen sooner than later. Um, but I really do get my energy from people and from being outdoors. And so when I'm not working on, and I love what I do, I actually love this so much that it doesn't even feel like work to be honest with you. So, but when I'm not doing anything related to coaching and working with parents and stuff around sex ed, you'll find me outside no matter what the weather is, as long as I've I, seen her walking that dog I, three days. I, I was going to say, no matter what the temperature is, if it's, you know, really, you won't see me on a soggy day, but I, <laughs> I get my energy with Alex on the snowy day. I saw, but you're out there, sister. I, yeah, no, I am. And gosh, I, you know, I've, one thing I've learned in the last several years is I appreciate what, just every little thing, honestly, like savoring 
a good cup of coffee. It sounds so mundane, but I'm like, hello. It makes me just so happy. I also need to be constantly moving. I don't mean like in the nervous way, but if I don't have an out an energy outlet exercise wise, I feel it. It's so mood boosting COVID survival for me has been, and that's probably where you would see me walking all the time, getting outside and moving. Right. So I, I don't know. I mean, I, so much of my stuff, I feel like my world at the moment is um, on the narrow side and I don't think I'm alone in that. I think we all are, you know, feeling a little bit cramped, but I just feel I'm filled with gratitude just because my family has been safe. I mean, there've been so many losses everybody has had, but you know, I just feel every day is a gift. Everything is an opportunity and it brings it back to this. Even I feel like it's really when somebody is nervous or afraid to have a conversation with their kid about sex or any number of things, really think about any of those fears that we have. Yeah. It's a gift to have the opportunity to be able to do so because we only get them for a short amount of time. I'm now an empty nester. So I can say it's, you know, and it's not like I never get to see them, but I certainly, I don't live with them anymore. Right. Right. We have them for decisions every day. You're not, you know, checking their gloves are in their pocket. I mean, it's, (laughs) I mean, honestly, like, I mean, I'm always going through it with teenagers. You just get so accustomed to parenting and, and when they when they leave and they and you watch them fly, it, it it really is I think bittersweet. There's you know there's a difficulty in letting go of what you have spent your you know a, a decade of your life or more. I mean more than two decades of your life working yes. with. <laughs> totally, and a lot of, a lot of parents, and I'd say probably more mothers, but not necessarily. A lot of parents struggle with their identity at that at yes. that phase of life when they yes. become empty nesters. Yes. You brought that up earlier when you were struggling with your identity, when you decided to make a shift in your direction in life, like I've gone through that as well. And when things are different, you're always said like, well, if it's not the same, I'm not the same. And people don't look at me the same and I don't feel the same. And, you know, but change is inevitable. And when we force it, we just have to know that it's going to go through that, you know, icky kind of weird part, but just roll with it, accept it, know that the universe has our back. And, you know, be brave enough to have the conversations, make the discussion, put it out in the universe. I'm, I hate my job. I'm unhappy. I want to change it. I, you know, I feel like I'm out of touch with my kid. I want to try to get more in touch. Talk to people about it. Just open up that if there's one thing that I know we have to do is we need each other. COVID has taught us that. And we are alone in, in many ways. But with the information superhighway, there's a lot of shifts we have to make. But we also have connection. I mean, even though you could be right down like a mile away on this mountain from me, barely, we're connected in two different, you know, parts of this state. So I love that so much. Well, Andrea, stop sweating the small stuff. And as Andrea would say, stop sweating and start talking. And I love this so much. Tell us where to find you, girl, because I got your cell phone. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, Probably the best way to find me is through my website, which is arbcoaching.com. It's my initials. And, you know, there's a lot about the book that is you'll find on the website as well as other parts of my coaching life, my coaching side. And, you know, I just want to tell parents that it's an amazing opportunity they have and that you've got this, you know, you've got this, whatever is holding you back. Just think of 
small steps and not a big scary talk and you can do it you know and i i love to support people in this because it, yeah. it's so rewarding that's beautiful well you can do it and andrea is here to help you if you have any questions if you're a health teacher or parent or anybody please visit her website and please download buy find it uh stop sweating and start talking we all need to how to make sex chats with your kids easier than you think because they are so get after it well i'm your host heather thompson i want to thank my guest andrea brand so much this is in my heart be sure to send me any questions you have about sex because i'll be sure to send them to andrea and don't forget to subscribe and download whenever you stream your podcast and join us next week for another episode